Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor. Today is episode 60. And today we have back on three-time guest, Ida um, Lee from the MICIA Deputy Director. And we're here to have a big announcement. First, I want to say thanks for being back on, Ida. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for inviting me back on. I I love coming on your show. It it just gives me that sense of calm your... Roll down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we might we might not be as uh, formal as some of the other shows, but uh, but we we still we still get it done. And back all together today. If I think this is the first time in three weeks uh, we are back together. Uh, we got uh, Tom at Relief. Tom, where are we at? Hey. We are in the office. I'm back. I'm back to work. Had a couple weeks off. Uh, first time in about four years, so it was nice to get away. But it's also nice to be back to work. Good to see you, everyone, see- especially Ida. Yeah. Good to see you too, Tom. <laughs> and Kevin over at True. Kevin holding it down every week. What's happening? Oops, I uh, hit the wrong button there. Uh, not much, you know, just uh, came in on Friday of the holiday weekend, get this show recorded, do some gardening today, and then try to get home a little bit early and spend some time with the family. So, um, yeah, awesome. looking forward to the show. Awesome. Cool. So am I. So I just been on three times before. And for those that listen every week, definitely have heard uh, her background. And for those that have been in cannabis for a while, in Michigan already knew about it and uh, like we've talked about before I started hearing about Ida and what she was doing with her uh, daughter Bella when I was in prison reading about it and hearing uh, getting visits from Robin Schneider and Jamie Lowell and Mark Passerini and uh, you know just a huge advocate and I don't want to go into it too much on this because I'd like Ida to make her announcement and also um, you know tell tell the journey and the story so with that I just want to welcome Ida, uh, have you go ahead and announce what you got going, uh, and then uh, go ahead and uh, talk for a while. We, we want to listen and, and hear it, and uh, so does our audience. So thank you, Ida. Okay, yeah. Um, just be patient with me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we are uh, creating or recreating um, all of the medicine that, that my daughter Bella was on. And so I'm launching a brand called Bella's Journey. Um, It's coming out uh, November this year. And I'm super excited because it gave her a quality of life. Um, She was on pharmaceuticals for five years and we used medical marijuana for five years. So I feel like I have a really good gauge um, as to her quality of life and what she went through versus what she was able to attain um, at the end of her life and um, also how we were able to use the medicine uh, in her end of life care. Um, So uh, just to give you a little bit of background, um, you know, she was born uh, with something called 1P36 deletion syndrome, which means she was missing the tip of her first chromosome. 
so it's the it's the one it's the short arm of the first chromosome the only way to identify this chromosome is through a microarray test um, and at the time um, this when she was born this test had only been around for about two years so even to this day, a lot of the kids still do not get diagnosed right away. There's a lot of other health issues that go on if, if they survive birth. Um, it's currently thought one in 5,000 to 10,000 are born yearly with this syndrome. So it is pretty prevalent. Um, unfortunately, you know, where a lot of the kids with Down syndrome, you are able to identify them with the 1P. Some of them are similar, but there again, there's so many wide ranges. Um, it's hard you know to identify but with her uh, she was born um, right away we were in the hospital we, we were not able to, to bring her home uh, after delivery um, they did a spinal tap on her um, because she wasn't able to latch on um, she couldn't keep her uh, temperature up uh, her temperature was dropping and typically what they say that means is that's a, a fever in a newborn they, they can't keep up their body temp um, and so it was at that time discovered that she was also born with viral meningitis. Um, we were in the hospital for about 21 days after birth. It was, she was born December 9th, it was right around Christmas. <laughs> so it, that was really challenging. Um, but she was she was born, uh, you know, bef before we left the hospital, um, she was having uh, breathing issues. And that's when it was diagnosed uh, that she had um, ventricular septal disease or, or holes in her heart. Um, and her holes were pretty large. And the only way that they really could describe that to me was um, it looked like Swiss cheese. I hate that term. I, I don't agree with it. I, that's not the image that I wanted to see. Um, so she had a lot of complications right from the get go. Um, when she was three months old, is when her seizure started. Um, I was on the phone with my mom and her eye just just dropped. I, I've, I thought she was having you know a stroke. I didn't know what it was. I rushed her up to our local hospital. Um, and that's when I really started, <laughs> we entered into the medical community uh, at that point. We were at that hospital for about six hours before we, we were transferred to our local children's hospital. She, the seizures were never really addressed. Um, they don't know what to do for kids. They don't know what to do for adults. And so it's really hard to navigate through the medical field when you're looking for answers and there really aren't any answers. Um, so she was diagnosed uh, with something called Lennox-Gastineau, which is a rare form of seizure disorder. Um, it is she anything was a trigger for her um, rain hitting the, the side of the screen. It could even be snowflakes hitting the side of the screen um, because of her. I started finding other modalities of healing and I came across something called um, the NAET diet, which is a, an allergy elimination diet uh, treatment. It's not a diet, it's a treatment. Um, but what they do is they hold vials and they muscle test you to see what you're sensitive to. So through different, you know, healings, I was able to help bring her more of a quality of life. Well, um, sorry. <laughs> um, she also had something called eosinophilic esophagitis. Uh, so she threw up. Uh, we went through a period, she was right around two years of age. She was throwing up on average nine times a day. Um, 
it didn't matter what I was doing, what I was feeding her. I, you know, was panicked. I, I kept taking her to the doctor. I think we saw, gosh, like five different uh, gastroenterologists. And one of them, you know, said, I think this is, you know, this is what she has. We're going to give her the unofficial diagnosis. The only way to get this diagnosis is to go through and biopsy the esophagus. And I started shaking my head, no, you know, and, and she's, you know, pulling out her, her computer to, to get the surgery scheduled. And I said, no, no, no. And she's looking at me and she's like, well, we need to get this diagnosis. And I said, well, hold on, you're, you are telling me what you think's wrong with her. So it's up to me to, to figure out how to fix it. And, and I, I can't do surgery. Um, they biopsy like 20 to 40 different parts of the esophagus. Um, and that's when I came across the GAPS diet. It's called the gastroenterological syndrome diet. And that's healing the gut through bone broth, broth and fermented foods. Um, it, I was very hesitant to start that diet with her. There's not a lot of education or support in the medical community. Um, you think there is, you're, you're told all day long there's support, there's not. <laughs> um, and you, you're surrounded by all these dietitians, you know, who are telling you what, what your child needs when essentially what it was is she was allergic to food. Um, I started doing my own food elimination diet with her and I figured out everything that she was allergic to. That's when I discovered that corn can have over 77 different names. So unintentionally, I was buying what I thought was organic food and reading all the ingredients. Lo and behold, there was corn in there. I'd feed it to her and sure enough, she'd throw up. Um, so when I transitioned her onto the GAPS diet, it was crazy because it, it was like she was starving. I, I couldn't feed the food to her fast enough. And, and it was just like I was constantly making food. And that, you know, transition, transitioned to me once I was able to identify all of her food allergies. I just I really started investigating food and and how it affects our body. And food is medicine. <laughs> Every, everything we ingest is is in some way, shape, a form of medicine. Um, it's just how we look at it. <laughs> but um, so, you know, it, that was very challenging. Um, she would have screaming fits where there was one Easter. Uh, that's when it started. It was Easter. I, I want to say she was about three. Um, it started at 4 a.m. And it was a solid scream. There was no hiccups. There was no catching up the breath. There was no... <gasps> Nothing. It was scream, full on screaming from seven, from 4 a.m. until 9 p.m. that night constantly. And that triggered I don't know what in her, but she started having those screaming spits from then on from then on. Um, I had gone from April until December with those screaming fits trying to just work through them. And I called the doctor and I'm like, I, I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do at this point. And I truthfully, I, I can't remember the medicine that we put her on, but it was a really powerful pharmaceutical drug to get her to calm down. And the doctor said, use this sparingly, don't, don't overuse it, you know, use it as needed. I used it two times on her and it, it didn't really do anything. It seemed like it aggravated her more. Um, so that January is when um, she had gone into status epileptus. Uh, again, uh, she was five years old. I decided to keep her at home. It was Martin Luther King weekend. It happened. I had the University of Ann Arbor on the phone with me 
uh, walking me through the, the process. And I had told them that I wanted to use medical marijuana. I did not want to use pharmaceuticals. They weren't working. They were not her rescue medicine. <clears throat> and I had three conversations with the, the nurse per the doctor. And essentially we were discharged from the University of Ann Arbor neurology department because I wanted to put her on medical marijuana. For two months, I called around the state looking for a doctor to pick us up. And no one would pick us up because of wanting to try medical marijuana. Um, in the meantime, I was able, I had gotten her card and I was dosing her with it. And to watch your child have a seizure and to be able to give her one ML rectally, a suppository, and have that seizure stop within 30 seconds to a minute is powerful. And as I'm calling around the state and I'm explaining to the doctors what I'm doing and how this is helping her, no one was picking us up. So I, I, I panicked, you know, and I called Robin and I said, you know, I don't know what to do, you know, help. <laughs> and, um, you know, our caregivers at the time uh, had stepped up. Um, they found us a doctor, Dr. Constantino out of uh, Beaumont. Um, you know, to pick us up. Um, I should back up though. Before we we had actually switched over, the university had had picked us back up as patients, um, and I was in the process of trans transitioning over to Dr. Constantino at that time. Um, but that's when I found out that the tinctures and the oils fell into a gray area, and so it was legal to smoke marijuana, but it was illegal to ingest it or eat a gummy or make a topical. <laughs> And that didn't make any sense to me because here I have this, this medicine. For me, it, it was a miracle. It, it was working. I, I was witnessing that right before my eyes. And that's when I started lobbying, you know, with Bella and going to the Capitol and pulling the senators and the legislatures off the, the Senate floor and, and sharing her story with them and, you know, asking them and thanking them, first of all, you know, for making marijuana legal, you know, it, we can smoke it. Thank you. But at the same time, what you're telling me is it's illegal to ingest it or to stop my daughter's seizures. She can't smoke it. You know, the smoke's not going to help her. She, she needs a long term medicine. And so it was because of her story that we were able to pass the MMFLA. And again, it, it's it's bringing an understanding that just because you have a quality of life doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't deserve a quality of life. doesn't matter what it looks like. If there's no harm being done to anyone else, everyone deserves a quality of life, period. No judgments. And for me, that's that's my passion is, is providing that quality of life. Um, when I first put her on medical marijuana, um, I didn't tell anyone I was, I was really afraid to. Um, it, it's scary. You know, I grew up um, Southern Baptist. Um, we, you know, the devil's weed. I, I mean, it, it's it's grouped with narcotics. It's grouped, you know, with, with cocaine. And it's like, hold on. <laughs> you know, we we have to look at this as a plant. This is a medicine and understand what what it truly is. And, and, and it's not about, you know, I understand the social injustices that, that come along with it. And it's just, it's disgusting to me how this plant has just been demonized the way it has been and, and, and cultures have, have suffered because of it. And people still today, it's just, it's, it's gross. Um, but anyways, you know, it's, 
I sent her to school and I had, had let her teachers and the bus drivers know. I said, listen, we're trying a new med. Let me know what side effects you're seeing. You know, within the first week, the teacher had called me and she was like, Ida, what is what are you giving this child? And I was like, OK, Kathy, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> What's going on? And she was like, she's a little bit calmer. She's starting to look around a little bit more. She's paying attention. And I was like, oh, OK, it's, it's been a week. And she's like, yeah. And I said, OK. And the bus drivers were reporting the same thing. Um, so the screaming fits that she would have at home, she would have uh, on the way to school and on the way from school. And for the first time, she rode home without screaming. Now, that's not to say she wasn't fussing and there wasn't other stuff going on, but she wasn't doing her screaming. And so that was a huge red flag for me that something was working. Um, and I just said, okay, you know, let's all just keep, keep observing, you know, and a month went by and everyone's like, okay, what is she on? Like, we need to know <laughs> what you're giving her. And I just started opening up and, and that's when, you know, I, I started becoming more vocal about it and sharing it with everyone because it's like, you know what, this is what we're doing and this is helping her and everyone needs to know about it because it, it is another form of healing. It's another form of medicine and it may not be right for you, but it may be right for someone else. Ida, what do you have to say to other parents that may be struggling with similar situations that are finding with traditional medicine uh, pushback or um, just being left behind? Uh, what kind of advice or pathways or anything can you give to listeners that might be in similar type situations with someone that they love? You know, it's really just trusting your gut instinct. Um, and that's the hardest thing because there's no one else that's going to support you. <laughs> so it's understanding that what you're doing is right no matter what. Um, it's also understanding that you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Um, there are plenty of mistakes that we all make. And it's not until they're made can we look back and say, oh my God, I what, what was I thinking? What was I doing? And it's learning from that and, and moving forward um, and reaching out to those of us, you know, who have been in that situation. Right. Well, is there a way for people to do that? Not really. An email maybe uh, or contact us or anything like that. Um, well, you know, you know, I think a support group is really good. I mean, there are support groups online um, for cannabis parents. Uh, um, I, I'm not active on those anymore after Bella. Um, I walked away from a lot of different things. It just, you know, um, but there are support groups out there, Tom. Yes. Um, but again, it's 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 hard to find uh, those in your state um, who you can contact and who to help. So I, I don't really I don't know how to. That's a good point. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> well, I think that's what um, a lot of it. What what you're doing with your with your brand, you know, I. I heard about it uh, a while ago and you know it's like just one of those life moments when you just know something makes sense and something has to ha has to be done and has to happen so um tell us mm -hmm. about the process of having this idea and and to the point where we're going to launch a brand i've done it it's uh 
it's not easy. It's fun. It's exciting. It can be scary too. Um, but you know, a lot of our listeners are interested in that side of it. And, um, yours Mm -hmm. is a brand that, uh, is going to transcend, you know, state lines and, um, and just being a, a regular brand, there's a quite a mission to it. So, um, yeah, give us a little feedback. Yeah, that, that's my, my, my hope, my dream. Um, so she, like I said, she was on pharmaceuticals for five years. Um, you know, I gave her Valium. Um, when I, when I, she, she was on, you know, 21 different meds at one time. I mean, we talk about a pharmaceutical. It was in my pantry. Um, she suffered from, um, stage one renal failure because of, the pharmaceuticals. So when she was three months old, uh, and she she had um, uh, uh, the seizures, they were trying to insert a pick line through her growing, and they they gouged the, the artery, and we essentially uh, were in the position to possibly lose that leg. So, um. She, there was a lot of pain that she was in. She was able to keep her leg. It never healed properly. It never formed properly. It was always thinner than the other one. Um, it's pretty intense when you're actually being told and being prepped that your child's going to have to have their leg amputated. Um, so from the seizure, she was given Topamax and from her heart, uh, she also had congestive heart failure and she was on the Lasix for that. And um, that is what caused her to go into stage one renal failure. Um, it, it attacked her kidneys. It was too much for her kidneys to try to filter all that medicine through. So I really, like I said, you know, we, we were in the hospital with her uh, for 10 years. Uh, the first 10 months of her life were it was five days a week. Um, medicine, medicine, medicine was just pumped through her. And I fought really hard to slowly wean her off of all that because I would dose her with, you know, her anti-seizure medicine and she would be lively and she would be cognitive. And then I would dose her and you would just kind of see her just like slump and just kind of lose the visual and there's no quality to that. Um, so I slowly started weaning her off of all of her medicine because the pharmaceuticals, the anti-seizure medicines weren't working. When I put her on the, the tinctures, um, that's when I started to notice she was starting to be a little bit calmer and I apologize, they're, they're mowing. <laughs> so there's gonna be weed whackers going across. Um, but, um, I lost my train of thought as as well. I apologize. Um, where did I leave off? I'm sorry. Uh, Just as far as, um, going to the, uh, the quality of life and uh, going to hospital five days a week and weaning off of that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I weaned her off of all of her pharmaceutical medications, uh, not with the advice of the doctors. I did that myself. I, there was there was no benefit that I saw to it whatsoever. Um, around that time is when I started juicing for her too. But when we started giving her the tinctures, there were, you were, were, you, I was witnessing 
a spark start to come back in her eye. Uh, she was getting more vocal. She she um, she had a form of yes and no and a form of mama. Um, she would laugh and she would giggle. Um, so, you know, I, and I, I started playing with all of them. I, I started using and I called it her rescue medicine at the time. Um, when she would start to have, you know, anxiety or I could feel those screaming fits coming on, I would give her 0.2 mLs, you know, by her mouth. And again, just to see the the pressure and, and the, the, the anxiety, just, you know, her take a deep breath and just relax and calm down. And oh, my gosh, the side effect is she's smiling and she might giggle for for a minute okay, <laughs> but she's not screaming, you know? And again, to go through a time where you're you're medicating your child because they're screaming and you know there's something wrong, they're in pain, they're nonverbal, they can't tell you what's wrong, you physically can't see anything. And then to, to be able to give them a very small dose of a plant medicine, that within 20 minutes calms her down is, is just mind blowing to me. And it's like, why aren't we educating and, and showing people how to use this and what to do? And then there's other alternatives to medicines. You know, we don't have to listen to the doctors and, and they don't work. I mean, look at all, all of what she had to go through, all the surgeries and, and and the mistakes that the doctors made, unfortunately, you know, when you when you are in the medical community, when you're in those appointments, um, you're overdosed. You know, she was overdosed on a propofol when she was in the hospital. They, she was given an adult dose. Uh, so I'm standing right there talking to the doctor. And sure enough, you know, the nurse gave her the dose and she coded and the room filled with 50 people. Um, they're asking me if they you know, want to pass her broad in. And I said, no, I need to call my husband and my boys at the time. And I got to get them here. And it's just. It's knowing that there's other alternatives and you don't have to put yourself or your child through what the medical community is doing for money, as far as I'm concerned. Um, That's why they call it practicing medicine. Exactly. Practicing. We're all used as guinea pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ida, your, your story is, is, is so courageous. Uh, you know, what both you and, and Bella went through. Um, it's just, it's amazing to hear the will of people to, to help others and, and, and to want to have a, a quality of life. And, and uh, I, I commend you for, for all the efforts you put in. I'm sure you felt like you were kind of against the wall and didn't really have a choice in the matter, but you got up every day and kept going forward. And, and, and like I said, that just shows the character of you. And, and uh, I just think it's absolutely amazing. Um, you know, to kind of switch gears a little bit, um, you know, I wanted to talk to you about the, the products that you are launching. Um, do you have an idea at this point, um, you know, what uh, the doses it will be and what ex uh, products exactly you'll have? And then, and then how did you, you know, when you were first starting off treating Bella, how, how did you, where, where was your starting point? I, you know, I get calls from people somewhat regularly asking me about pediatric treatment and whatnot, and I don't know the first thing about it, and it scares the hell out of me because <laughs> I don't want to give somebody some bad advice and, and have there be a problem and, and then, you know, feel responsible or whatever. And, and so so how did you go about that? And, and then again, talk to me about the products that you're launching. Okay, so initially, um, 
the best advice, you know, my cousin Francie ever gave me was whatever dose you want to give your daughter, take yourself. <laughs> so I always tell parents that, you know, first of all, whatever you give your child, take it yourself. Um, and that's how I found out RSO was not a medicine for us because I could not give her a small enough dose to where I was still feeling it. Um, so I, in my mind, that's not what she needed. Um, but we worked closely with her caregivers at the time and um, her doctor, and she was on a very low dose. It was 0.25, I believe. Um, she was on three different tinctures, um, Cannabiotics, Canna-X, Professor X, and Canna-4. We rotated between those, so it was, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, again, you know, I, I watched all of these pharmaceuticals wreak havoc essentially on her body and nothing was working. And so for me, it was just like, I've got nothing to lose at this point. You know, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, you know, I was up against the wall is what it felt like. Um, but in, 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 so her rescue medicine, um, I would give her, uh, as her Valium, and then I'd also use it as um, her suppository. And then after she had, so she, from the original injury from the DVT in her leg, uh, she had to have hip surgery as well. And so what they had to do was cut the femur in half, put the bone back in socket, take a piece from her pelvis, rebuild that shelf, um, and then put pins and screws in her femur so she could heal. I had her rescue medicine out to, to give her um, a dose and I was just looking at it and I was looking at her leg and she was shaking, she was tremoring, she was in so much pain. And so I just reached in and grabbed it and rubbed it on her leg and it was almost instantaneous. I just saw her leg just relax and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> what's going on here? And that's how I started making lotion for her. Um, and I, I started using it myself. Um, so it's, it's, it's crazy to, to understand that there are so many different avenues that you can use this plant for, for medicine. And it's, it's just education. We, we don't, there's, you know, there are some pain patches on the market today, pharmaceuticals, but there's, there's no topical that we can actually put on our skin to take away pain. And so when you when you when you're talking to people about that, they don't believe you, and and it's like here, try it. <laughs> and um, yeah, so so that's what I'm doing. I, those it's it, it was a lot of trial and error. Um, we we started out with with small doses, um, and and I paid attention to her seizures. I had a seizure chart. Um, like I said, I I was able to pinpoint a lot of her triggers. Um, so I was able to um, head off a lot of it by paying attention to her. Um, I got really good at being able to smell her breath. I could smell the seizures before they were coming. Um, and that was right around the time that we ended up getting her, uh, her, her uh, service dog. And Fina was not trained as a seizure dog. Uh, she was trained as a service dog, but she was able to alert us and to give Bella comfort for her seizures, which was what we wanted, was huge. So will those products all be geared towards pediatric or will they also be for adults as well? 
So I'm not marketing towards children. I have adult sizes and small doses. And um, it's gonna be up to, um, if there's parents interested, to go into the dispensaries um, and talk to the bud tenders who I would like to go in and talk to and educate um, because it, it's a comfort level. It's un, it's understanding, you know, this isn't, you're, we're not on a street corner getting medicine anymore. Um, we're able to go into dispensaries that look amazing. They're boutique-y, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's breaking down those stigmas and, and just helping parents to say, okay, I, I can do this, it's okay. And so what if someone sees me? I'm, I'm giving my child a quality of life. Um, for me, you know, my dispensary was in Detroit. Um, I had no problem putting all three of my kids in my car and going downtown Detroit and getting her medicine. Hey, Ida, what a... Um what is uh what was the decision on choosing the stores that you wanted to be in at first um you know education is obviously going to be key and this is your brand and and you going out and talking to those staffs is going to further the education in the state i think better just i was just sitting here thinking about it nothing's going to move it faster quicker than that so how did you choose those stores and um uh, do you plan on going to these stores and, and telling the same story yeah, so I'm, I'm choosing stores um, that are have the medical model. Um, it's, it's not not to say that I'm not going to have recreational products as well, but this is a medicine, um, and those are the, the first stores that I'm launching in are the, the stores that are more geared towards medicine or are medicine only, um, and then we'll mm -hmm. be branching out from there. Um, I'm sorry, Ryan. What was, <laughs> what was your other question? Just if you were, your plan was to, I know we've talked about, you're going to go out and, and, and talk to the staffs of these uh, stores oh. and educate them. And, and I you know, and like, you know, what, what we, what we heard today, I mean, I'm like for people out there that are going to be, you know, listening to this, um, that are wondering about cannabis as medicine and their kids. I mean, this is just a, a, a must to listen in my mind. So like, I, I think it'd be real powerful if you, if you went out and told that same story to these staffs and explained it in that way, if you're, if you're comfortable. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. It, it's, I, I do want to, education is key. Um, there's not enough education out there. I, I am in the process of, of putting together, together a website, um, that'll have education on it um, and, and how to dose and what it can help alleviate. Um, you know, this is not a cure-all. I'm not making any of those claims, but I am saying it can help and it can give a quality of life. And oh, hey, this is what it can help for. Um, I would love to be able to go into schools. You know, growing up, we, we had, you know, those assemblies, war on drugs. Okay, well, <laughs> let's do a medicine tour you know mm -hmm. it, it's 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 starting to teach our children again this is a medicine and 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 understanding why this is a medicine and and it's okay to take this as a medicine and giving them a healthy respect for it um you know it, just an example okay my, my dad hunted um he had golly six or seven rifles underneath our bed they weren't loaded but all of us kids knew exactly where they were we could not touch them 
but we could pull them, I mean, my dad would pull them out, let us look at them, we could shoot them, whatever. But there was a healthy enough respect that me and my, my, my siblings did not go in there and touch those guns because we, we had access to them, but, but we, there was a healthy enough respect for them that was taught to us. And so it's, it's, it's teaching our children a healthy respect for this as a medicine. We, we teach them about our pharmaceuticals. Well, it's the same thing. And, and I, yeah, I, I do want to go in and educate and help other parents that have issues um, and other adults that are fighting issues as well. Yeah, 100%. It's people are, some people are afraid to talk about it still because it's still a taboo issue. And if you speak to children as, you know, just an equal instead of talking down to them, they, they start to listen and they develop a healthy understanding and respect. I know that personally from my own children. They know and they understand. And I have no worries in my mind that there's going to be any, you know, any abuse of anything that we have. Because we, first of all, we keep it locked up. But um, right. second of all, we're not afraid to talk to them about what it really is. Because it's not scary. It's not the boogeyman. You know, it's, uh, it is medicine. Mm -hmm. And we can all benefit from it right. at a certain point in our lives. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, for my boys, you know, when, when we brought it in, we sat them both down. We told them exactly what we were doing. Um, unfortunately, there was an incident with, with my older one that we had. Um, so, you know, it, it was it, it was all of us teaching ourselves, you know, that this is a medicine and this is why we're using it. And you firsthand saw what the pharmaceuticals were doing to your sister. So let's see what this does to your sister. Um, they knew where her medicine was. They knew how to draw it up and they knew how to give it to her. Yeah. So it was essentially treating seizure activity, anxiety, mood swings, sleeping disorders, and dermatitis with one single medication. Correct. I was able to wean her yeah. off of all of her pharmaceuticals and only use medical marijuana. The That's only, amazing. Yeah, the only pharmaceuticals that were used uh, were her end of life care for quality of, for assistance. I don't yeah. wanted to, um, you know, um, obviously thank you for uh, coming on and, and sharing this. Um, I learned new, new things today and feel, feel more, more uh, stout ever as far as cannabis and the medicine that it is. Uh, but uh, you, uh, you're at the MICIA and you've done a great job there. You've been, uh, you know, a great help to the industry with uh, and helping Robin and been really impressed with the way you did your job. Um, and uh, so that's going to be uh, kind of transitioning out. And I just wanted to ask you kind of what, what it's been like, been like at the MICIA and, um, you know, how uh, just the experience. Uh, we we kind of have a, a similar, similar path in that aspect. Well, you guys are my family, first of all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, right after Bella passed away, there was unfortunately just a series of events. And, you know, I... Unfortunately, was you know went through a divorce. Um, um, a lot of my family chose his side. There were sides chosen, unfortunately. So I really felt alone. Um, and Robin reached out, you know, and, and had asked if I was still looking for a job. And I, yes, you know, and she saved me. <laughs> I love what I do. Um, I love our community. Uh, the special needs community is a, um, a very large one, but it's one that's often overlooked. 
um, there's not a lot of resources and a lot of the parents are by themselves. Um, and in, in this industry, it's very community driven. Um, everyone wants to help each other. Um, and it's refreshing. It, it's, it's, it's so nice to be, to be welcomed in, into a community um, that, that I'm a part of. <laughs> um, and, and I love what I do. You know, we, we still lobby. Um, we, we have the events and, and, you know, and right now I'm, I'm doing a little bit of um, marketing director. So I, I, lo I love being my, I love my role. I love everything that I do for it. Um, and, and, you know, breaking down those stigmas. <laughs> yep. Well, well uh, Ida, I, uh, I really appreciate this. I wanted to give uh, uh, Kevin and, and Tom a chance to, you know, thank you and say goodbye and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, end what uh, just a, a great, great, uh, great show. So, uh, Kevin, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, and I just want to, you know, again, thank you uh, for coming on the show today. Um, it's very courageous. You, you coming out and, and telling your story and it needs to be told. We all need to hear it. It's it's uh, it's very touching. And, and um, you know, as far as your brand goes, I, I know how motivated you are and how driven you can be. And, and uh, I know that you're going to be successful. And I, I just wish you all the best. We're here to support you. We love you and uh, and love having you be a part of the family. So uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah, of course. Tom. Yeah, Ida, you know, we love you so much. We love Bella, and I guess the silver lining here could be that her legacy continues by helping potentially other children in need and other people that are in this situation. If, can you just remind us one more time the name of the brand and the launch date? Mm -hmm. So the name of the brand is called Bella's Journey, and we're launching in November of 2021. Can't wait for that, uh, Ida. And you know, this is just a, a really good reminder for everyone listening um, what uh, what makes uh, what it took to get legal in Michigan. I mean, like it, we might not have gotten where we did um, if it wasn't for Ida and Bella. So um, we're very unique. We've got a, lo a lot of stories, and and that's so that's the reason um, we have the market we do today in the community. So. Um, you know, I'm definitely going to be passing this podcast out to a lot of family members that I do supply with RSO and, and some of them are, are, are pediatric and, uh, uh, I really appreciate it, Ida. So with that, see everyone next week. Thank you everyone. I appreciate it. The Smoke and Rope podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncana.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.